0: Hi, I'm Tashi from Paint by Tashi Jade Bell on Instagram, formerly Teacup of Makeup. And I'm Flora, a beauty brand representative and a makeup artist. And this is the Beauty Business Podcast, where we talk about the business, commercial and legal matters in relation to the multi-billion dollar beauty industry. So today we have Lucy Brooks with us today from Little Bird PR. I've known Lucy for a couple of years now, and I thought it would be good to have her on the podcast just to talk about what public relations is all about and also we'll talk about some other topics including diversity and inclusiveness. Hi Lucy, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing? you staying warm? Yes. very cold out yeah, there today. it's
0: freezing. <laughs> um, I even have the heater on and I'm wearing four layers of jumpers. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's a
1: bit like that. I should be used to it being from the UK, but I'm not. I think my blood's thinned over 20 years of being here. Yeah, so I think you've, you've
0: acclimatised to
1: the Australian you <laughs> the weather. You yes, do. But this,
0: this winter has been exceptionally cold.
1: It has. It has.
0: So Lucy, can you tell us a little bit about
1: yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so obviously, I'm from England. Um, I've been here for 20 years. Um, I live in Sydney, and my PR career, I guess, started in London many years ago, in my late teens. Wow. Um, and I've stayed in the industry. So I've been I've been in PR for gosh. I'm um, showing my age here, but you know coming up to i guess the best part of 25 years now in london and and, then in sydney so my my experience is big agency um i was very very lucky enough to work at agencies um such as ketchum life in london Mm. i learned from some amazing PR practitioners that uh, a few are actually in this market now in in, in big roles mm. so I looked for some great guys over there and then I came to agency life and I actually then decided after having a, um, my two children that I wanted to kind of go alone um yeah. and I set a little bit bird PR up eight years ago it's um, not
0: so what a, not such a little bird anymore is it <laughs> not such a little bird anymore no the team's growing and we've yeah. got amazing clients
1: um and yeah, we're, we're into the eighth year of business. And I guess our point of difference really in, in the marketplace, there's only very few PR agencies in Sydney now that really specialize in beauty, health and wellness brands. And it's something that I've always been passionate about throughout my career. Mm. Lucky enough to work on some brands. Procter & Gamble, I worked on for Olay and, and Pantene and Gillette for many years in London and in here, and I'm very passionate about health and beauty and wellness from a personal point of view and just wanted to, I guess, stay stay true to that and what I love, and so Little Bird PR re- represents brands in, in that sector, and we've become a specialist in that field.
0: I know, yeah, yeah, very well recognised now. Yeah, so it's so good to hear from you. Um, yeah. Just... For brands that want to enter the Australian market or new brands that are emerging, um, what value does, what, what what actually does PR do for
1: them? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, look, you know, there's a few things. Um, I guess first and foremost, you know, PR drives, generates brand awareness. So it, it lets consumers know that you exist in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's one of one of the things, mm. one of the pieces of the marketing puzzle I guess that helps to generate brand awareness. So just lets a, lets a consumer know that a brand exists and then can connect I guess that you can put that brand in front of the ideal target audience so you know an example of this could be that you open a magazine or you open a website or a news article and there'll be a brand mm-hmm. in there that isn't a straightforward ad and look that's a blurred line these days that's a whole nother topic yeah. of um you know native content and sponsored and all that sort of stuff that's but fantastic. very traditional earned yeah. media placement is you know driving uh, brand awareness and pr so that's 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 one thing um yeah. pr can control brand messaging i guess and and manage a brand's reputation from the get-go so PR can work with a brand to control what gets out there in the marketplace about the brand Mm -hmm. so the key messages it's positioning how I guess me as the consumer wants to perceive a brand Mm -hmm. so what I what I read or I hear about the brand um, can come from PR so PR can kind of control that messaging Um, it helps to build trust and credibility yes. um, which is very very important yes. I, you know for me personally I want to I want to love and be you know fans of brands that I can see as honest and reliable and trustworthy mm. and so over time PR can help build that trust and credibility which is so important you know to brand loyal brand loyalty is very important these days and we all like to you know mm. support brands and we can talk about this in a, in a second that are inclusive and diverse trustworthy yeah. and really do what they say yeah um and and then i guess you know not finally there's lots lots more benefits but pr can help to drive sales but can mm-hmm. i i've I emphasis on that word yeah but it, over time, and it's not guaranteed, I think there's this misconception that if you employ a PR agency and you get on the Today Show, yeah. you get your brand mentioned on radio yeah. or you're featured in the Daily Mail, yeah. that suddenly you're going to be an overnight sensation, yeah. Mecca Priceline and Chemist Warehouse are knocking at your <laughs> yes. door and that's it, shut up shop and I can retire, I've made millions of dollars. But mm. yes, articles like that can help to drive sales, but over time and over multiple touch points.
0: Wow. Okay, is, is there? I I mean, I've seen what you you do, right? Because we've worked together for so many years now. Is there a science behind PR? Tough
1: oh, question. I mean, I yeah. I mean, look. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, if it if if there if it was guaranteed and there was a uh, uh, all these boxes that you could just mm. tick and say that's what I you know this this is what PR is I just pick up a manual and I just follow that it would be it would be really straightforward and my and our, our fees would be a lot more than, yeah. than they are if we were good if it, if it was easy as that yes there's lots of things that you can do to be a very good PR practitioner but it does come down to experience and a lot of it is contacts mm, um, yep. you know having that, building that credibility and trust in mm. the yeah and building relationships and you know, they—that is something that you can take. It, that, that takes time and you can't buy that um you really can't buy that yeah. um so no there isn't there there is there isn't really a science behind it there's lots of things that you can definitely that tick those boxes mm. but you know we were even having the conversation the other day about crafting a pr pitch mm. and i was talking to the girls that work for me and they were like you know what what is a perfect pr pitch and i said well there's definitely dot points of things that you can do each time but every single pitch that you you send out there to a media outlet or an influencer. It's different every single time mm. because, you know, what worked for Mary Claire last year, the journalist has moved on and the content's changed mm. and it's gone yeah. more digital and there's less opportunity for print, therefore the pitch needs to change. Um, dependent on the brand, what you're trying to get across, is it, you know, you are you talking about a big am- brand ambassador signing? Mm. Is there a founder story, a sales story? So every single pitch kind of needs to evolve over time so it's not it's not there's not it's not necessarily a handbook that I could hand over mm. there's the basics but definitely not all of it
0: <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite, quite difficult isn't it I mean is there is there now a preference for
1: print or oh no? uh, uh, yeah look I think um covid um decimated a lot of the print titles in Australia and our media, media landscape is very, very, um, they got a re- I guess yeah. it's small. It's, it, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, when I think about when I moved here 20 years ago from London, I mean, you cannot compare, yeah. absolutely cannot compare, um, you know the media landscape in the uk to here at all it's the media landscape in, in the uk is huge um mm. but it was definitely a lot bigger here and then covid saw the closure of lots of titles you've got some big publish big publishing houses merged yes i mean yeah. pacific magazine news media um, now he's bigger they've got more um, titles under their their umbrella um Print still has a value. I mean, we used to represent Orbe, which is a luxury hair care brand. You know it. Yeah. We've worked together. We did yeah. lots of launches when we used to look after Orbe. And they really, really valued... Um, PR um in they really valued PR in print they they saw the value of appearing in Vogue and L and Harper's and Marie Claire and we were very lucky because of the positioning of the brand we we got in those titles a lot and you know they really they they would print out that coverage and they'd have it in their hair salon so there was real weight in in getting those articles Mm. um Some of our clients really still value print, but you've got to look at the numbers and the reach. You know, like there's much, much more, there's more eyeballs on, say, a digital platform than there is print. Mm. Um, But, you know, I I still love print titles. I still buy magazines. I take them away with me on my weekend away. I have a different... relationship with print because I'm always buying them and seeing what stories and angles and journalists and what other what other brands are doing so I look at it from a business point of view mm. but then I do buy a lot of you know say UK magazines and take them away with me on the weekend and I love that whole making a cup of tea and sitting yeah. down with a print title but that you know the whole thing's changed um now with that and you know we as an agency have had to evolve it's very much a digitally led landscape no, in this market it? yeah um, but yeah, there's still the value of print, absolutely, and you know, um, there's still a lot of print titles that you can get editorial in. So
0: yes, and so with, with more of print going onto digital platforms, do you, is let's say I have a friend who has a new brand, and he thinks that yeah. I need to get into this magazine or that magazine. Is that, yeah. a, that, should that be like a priority for, for this new brand or is it okay to go and do more, spending more marketing budget on PR, like building brand awareness?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think PR should be considered part of the marketing mix mm. but when you're starting out a new brand mm. you have to be very choiceful with your funds and a lot of what we do we work with some really big brands like rock and flower beauty but we also work with lots of startup founder-led brand which we love because it's kind of you're building that brand mm. those brands yeah. from the ground up it's always to do with budget and I actually I probably do myself a disservice here but when we have lots of phone calls with with startups I do sometimes challenge them to go away and rethink priorities and their budget because PR is yeah that's a fair yeah, way and, of and doing that's fair. And business that's it and w- and w- that's it and one of the the main things you know when I set up my business is to always be open and honest mm. so i will say to somebody you know if you have this type of funding you yeah. know maybe go away and see where you want to spend it because pr is not guaranteed it should absolutely be part of the marketing mix so definitely you know seo and then influencer marketing if you could do everything the ideal situation would be to test and learn a little bit of everything and Mm. we do this a lot actually we we will be part of um a brand launch from the start Mm. and they will we'll do a big pr launch campaign and what they might do then is then we sit down Mm. and we all evaluate the success of every element of the marketing campaign Mm. and then we say okay well pr was a real really big driver so therefore, we're going to keep PR on, and we're going to scale back something else. One of our clients, Sylvie, which is started out as a silk pillowcase brand, now they now have bedding, and they're about to launch towels. Towels. We launched what, with them with t- a big towels? campaign. <laughs> towels. Oh, so towels and um, tea towels. And, oh, um, towels. Oh, yeah, yeah, laundry Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, they. We launched. We did a launch yeah, campaign a good, with them, and good yeah, and then they came back and said, one thing that's really, really, really works for us is all the influence seeding that you do for us. Um, so it's... And, and, and really very, very kind of, I guess, basic bread and butter yeah. PR is getting the products into the right people's hands and getting them to experience it Mm. so fairly straightforward but also we've got to be making sure they get into the right hands and new contacts all the time so it's not a repetitive send out so a lot of what we do is influence seeding and it really drives sales for them so that's really working and actually what we've switched off for a bit is traditional earned placement in media titles because they see less value in that at the moment than they did at the start so if you're a brand about to launch, launch it you know to have some element of PR would be really good for at least three months to start off with to get that brand awareness out there Mm -hmm. and then evaluate what's worked what element of PR has worked for you as a brand and then decide what you want to kind of move forward with in in the future I guess
0: oh that's that's really interesting so it it seems as though right now for like emerging brands that influencer marketing is something that you definitely need to do
1: yeah look influences there I mean when I started my uh, career in PR yeah. this is how old I am I'm showing my age <laughs> uh, I didn't even have an email account so yeah. we had one dial-up computer in one office that we had to all go and share and I didn't even have an email everything was handwritten and phone calls the good old days of picking up the phone no yeah. one does that anymore but there's fours and against that we all fours and against that we all know yeah. that um but um uh yeah things have changed the, the the landscape has completely changed and influencers didn't even exist online platforms didn't even exist when i started my career so we've had to change all of that and there is uh yeah i mean influencer marketing is is part of the mix mm-hmm. um and if you can afford to do it i think it's really important there's two sides of it you've got influence seeding so again that's that's like traditional pr and you're driving uh social shares but you're not paying so that's not guaranteed at all but you're just getting it into the right people's hands Mm -hmm. and then you've also got influencer paid marketing you're going into controlled campaigns with influencers and obviously you're paying them for their time and for the campaign and their content creation Mm -hmm. but and you know depending on what influencers you align with Mm -hmm. um that can be costly yeah. but it just depends it's how long is a piece of string yes you know it's how many influencers you want to work with over what period of time and what scope of work mm-hmm. um but yeah i think i think influencer outreach is something that we can't be that that can't be ignored now as part of the uh the pr mix i guess
0: so twitter is off <laughs> um yes <laughs> facebook is kind of did
1: well for old people <laughs> for, like me for, maybe <laughs> <laughs> you're not that old <laughs> Come we, we've got so we've got we've got tiktok and instagram yeah. and i and i know um you know you we we, we touched on this a little bit earlier but yeah. yes tiktok is um is, is a big deal and but it's not for every single brand you're not going to get um some brands interested in tiktok at all we one of the brands that we work with dermal therapy mm. um one of our biggest clients now we look after them in australia and, and new zealand and they have a big focus on tiktok and is influences in that space because it really helps to drive brand awareness credibility trust etc for them some other brands that we work with are not interested in tiktok at all so it's very much case-by-case basis oh. what works for some brand yeah. won't work for another you know you have to remember yeah. who's looking at tiktok and what the audience is mm. you know are you going to get somebody if you're marketing a brand for 50 plus for example is that a platform that they're going to be looking at to get their brand knowledge uh, you there, know yeah. t- to obtain their information perhaps not mm. i'm not saying that that's that that's not the case yes. um but so you've just got it's very much case by case basis at what what the brand's target audience is focusing on but yeah i mean you can't ignore tiktok you can't ignore instagram for sure two big platforms a huge amount of influences and a huge amount I, is of little
0: bird on
1: tiktok as well we're not we're not on tiktok yet my oh. girls my girls are gonna be <laughs> my girls are getting on onto that, that we're on instagram yeah, yeah yeah instagram but we've got all those ones but um not tiktok yet but we need to be yes
0: okay so tiktok is here to stay then
1: Yes, I think so. Well,
0: what was it before oh, Snapchat, right? Snapchat was one thing yeah that
1: died. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Snapchat still exists. My daughter, who's about to turn 13, uh, every so often will ask for it. I'm trying to keep her off social media for the moment. That's, oh, yeah. you know, that's just wise. us as a family. Yeah, oh. I think... She's not fussed. She's not fussed with her phone at the moment, and she's asked a couple of times for Instagram and Snapchat, which I've just politely ignored. Um, so, but I, you know, I hear it a lot. But but we do get, you know, notifications from the school actually advising that it's too young for them because you just can't screen the con- the, the content. So yeah. look, it's great for us. We're okay with it. We have yeah. the, you know, we understand social media. But I just think, you know, social media should be potentially approached with caution. Just. Just definitely in our household, anyway. Um, it, in these early teen years, <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah, it, there is. There are some very disturbing content out there, and
1: i just. So... Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, the, and the and the thing is with um, you know, with TikTok and Snapchat. Yes, you can set the filters to be age appropriate, but what you can't screen is the. The sponsored paid content in between the videos, oh, wow, um, right. and so that's yeah. So so some of it is just not appropriate, just the language and the uh, and, and the content, which is just can sometimes be definitely sixteen plus. And when you have an eleven-year-old and a ten-year-old a and a twelve-year-old in the house, I just think you know perhaps keep their eyes away from that until they're think a little bit more. You know, I've also heard
0: to- the phrase coined TikTok brain or TikTok attention yeah. span, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, 30 seconds uh, uh, attention yeah. span, which is not yeah. good for young children,
1: I think. No, I'd say, yeah. I mean, we do, you know, we're, we're on it and we're absorbing it because it's, it's it's you know, I, I, I see it from a business and brand and client brain. Mm. We can switch off because we've been, we, we know we can do that. But, you know, they, uh, I think part of their brain has that addictive, you know, part, can't be switched off at at their age so yeah there's definitely a time and place for these social media platforms that's for sure Mm.
0: so um what what should a brand do before hiring a PR company is there any prep you recommend that they do
1: yeah and yeah I mean look we I I touched on this earlier but you know I do I do challenge brands and, and future clients to go away I guess and Make sure they've got their toolkit in place. I always refer to it as a toolkit. Mm. But I guess, and, and when I say toolkit, I, 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 think I'm, I'm referring it to as all the crucial elements that will get, get you the best from a PR campaign. So if you're about to, um, you know, sign on an agency or a freelance or a PR practitioner, it's always good, I guess, to have all your assets in place. And when I say mm. assets, it's your, your, your bread and butter stuff. So your website. Your social media your handles your presence it's quite crucial to have that so that if you get any editorial especially digitally Mm -hmm. um, influencers or media can reference that you know you need to have aligned your key messaging what does your brand stand for what is it that your pr practitioner is going to be saying about you and you're all aligned on that Mm -hmm. how does your brand look and feel so style guide I got sent a style guide yesterday from a new brand that we're okay. about to start working yeah. with um you know the look the feel the fonts the colors how you should be referred to never say this do this this is all the positioning
0: that's very helpful that's really important yeah, yeah.
1: And, and I guess a really a clear defined story but that that goes into key messaging mm-hmm. so what is it that we're going to say about you as a brand mm-hmm. is there a founder behind it um, are we ever going to talk about sales statistics or you know all that all that all that background story is really important and then i guess clear pr objectives and expectations as as pr but this is also on the pr agency and practitioner to work with the new client or the brand that they're about they're about to take on to set those Mm -hmm. clear pr objectives Mm -hmm. um which leads on to another question we talked about challenge you 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 sent me about um, challenges we'll touch on that in a second but um you know, I think it's about managing expectations. So clear PR objectives and expectations should be set at the planning phase. And then I guess also do your research as a brand and ensure you're speaking with an agency that, aligns that has with you. experts. Yeah. yeah. And and I think, you know, there's lots of um, pieces to this and it's about like when you employ people, mm. it's about that chemistry, it's chemistry that you can't buy. Mm. Um, and, um, it's contacts and years of experience and I guess, you know, do your research and find the best agency or practitioner that will benefit your brand and that, you know, PR should be ex- seen as an extension of internal teams. So we're all really close with all of our clients. We're very, very lucky in oh, that, you know, we work nice. so closely with the most yeah. cases on, on a daily basis. We're on, you know, part of the marketing mix with digital agencies, mm. um, brand agencies and we're considered an extension of their team so it's so important that you've got that relationship with them from the get-go so Mm. you need as a brand you need to do that research and find the best person to suit you and that I guess are experts in their field because then a brand can really benefit because that person or that agency will have a unique insights into that sector Mm -hmm. and therefore in-depth relationships and I guess that's one of our you know key strengths being an expert in beauty health and wellness is that we now specialize in the area which means we're we've got great contacts in that and so we've become i guess experts in that sector Mm. which means we've got really good in-depth in-depth relationships
0: would you say that um to be successful as a pr um person that you would have to be very charismatic
1: um it sometimes helps. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, you definitely have to be, uh, you know, you you've got to be confident and, and, and know your stuff. That doesn't mean to say that you're really out there. It's funny because it, I mean, I'm i sure you've watched absolutely fabulous today, the and there was this. <laughs> Even one thought that these PR practitioners was lovey, lovey darling and we're all running around drinking champagne and, (laughs) you know, with shoulder pads and red lips and all that sort of stuff. And and I guess when I first started my career out in London, there was definitely a lot of champagne and running around taking media for lunches. But our budgets were a lot bigger and things were... Actually, I spoke with someone the other day and we were saying, oh, back in the heyday of London agency life, when if we wanted to secure coverage, we'd just take them to a posh restaurant and drink champagne and have the afternoon off. Um, do people not do oh, look, that you know, anymore? Oh no! Look, we we absolutely uh, you know catch up with the media all the time, mm. but I think media's media and influencers' time is, is poor. We've got to be very very mindful of that, and budgets are limited, so we can't. Mm. You know, I think we need to be spending clients' money on, you know, our our time researching the best contacts and the pitches and you know so as, as much as I would like to be on long lunches all the time we'll save them <laughs> for when we're doing
0: events <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, I missed the long yeah. lunches from
1: being a lawyer oh, no, I'm, so, oh, I'm sure yeah. you do gosh yeah you would have been taken out all the time <laughs> yeah
0: oh well so um I think that that that's a nice segue into our, our next question which was what are some of the biggest challenges you've had with a brand
1: yeah I get, oh, look this is it's tricky. I mean, look. Luckily enough, we we haven't really had many many challenges. It's definitely uh, it's never been with with us. It's usually in terms of the results or the expectation of PR. Look, I think, um, firstly, it's quite hard if we inherit a brand that has had a PR agency before for many years. And look, that absolutely, mm. you know, you, you, I, I, and we we I see brands doing that, you, that. They like they might they seem to hop yeah agencies. some do but I mean look we, we. yeah I mean look usually if you've had a brand for a good three four five years that you're very very lucky because you know the marketing teams change um, internally wow, um, and the becomes, so quick. Them, okay well not 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 necessarily but for some brands mm-hmm. and you know when you have a new marketing yeah. team, team they then switch things around so if we've inherited a um, you know a, an account from from somewhere else that didn't have clear objectives and expectations of mm. PR and then we've had to fall into the same kind of thinking and each agency and you know director or founder is, is very different than how they yes. run things so yes. that we thought that can be sometimes where we get challenges if there's a mismatch between what old agencies have promised and what we we don't promise but we manage expectations of as you know deliverables mm-hmm. um, and I guess the always the biggest challenge is is if we're not open and honest with clients from from the upfront. And this is something that one of the reasons why I set up my agency is mm-hmm. because when I was working in bigger agencies, yeah. there was always this push to secure very big accounts and we would go in all guns blazing with these pitches mm. and sometimes overpromise and under deliver. I'm not saying that, that all the I'm not saying all the big agencies or other agencies do this, but in some cases, yes. we would, you know, overpromise and then somewhat under-deliver because we were saying, yes, we could get you in Vogue. Yes, we could get you in Marie Claire. We'll get you on the Today Show. Mm. These are all your deliverables. And, I, you know, I just, we, as a PR practitioner, you can't guarantee placement. If yeah. we could guarantee placement, mm. it would, you know, it would just be, we, we would all just be, well, we'd be like an advertising agency, right? We say, Yeah, you know, yeah. we can get you this piece of coverage. So I guess it's it's the challenges always come when there's a lack of understanding of PR and the expectation of the results. And that's always where the biggest challenges or the biggest hurdles come in working with clients because you know it's about making them understand if we've just launched a vogue at a breakfast on tuesday it doesn't mean they're going to be online writing your brand up on the wednesday and then in an mm, article we have to in be realistic, yeah it, it, we've got to it takes time mm. and i think if you have that conversation up front and say look we 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 did this it it you know we haven't had the uh, results or you know the interest that we had but we're gonna we're gonna take this angle and we're gonna do this and we're gonna report back oh you know always touching base Mm. with clients keeping them up to speed on what's going on and i think then you know you can overcome any hurdles or challenges together Mm. as opposed you know against each other but yeah we've not i can't i can't pinpoint anything with one brand but i think across the board it's always when there's a mismatch in, in expectations, expectations on deliverables. Yeah, yeah. So, um,
0: yeah, I think you mentioned like what you said earlier, it's different from an advertising firm. What well, you, Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Um, I
1: guess, You know, advertising is guaranteed and it's paid for. Mm -hmm. And then PR is driving earned placement. There's a saying in the marketplace, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's something like um, advertising is what you say about yourself. PR is what somebody else says about you. Oh,
0: okay.
1: (laughs) So, you know, if I want to go and tell the world about my brand, I can, you know, pay outlets, influencers, magazines to run, Wording, imagery, yes, captions, yeah. placements, and right. I will guarantee that it will be, you know, right hand page, first half of the book in the September issue of Vogue because I've paid for it to be in there, so it's guaranteed, mm-hmm. and you know. Um, that's, that's paid advertising mm. and you can control that messaging. Yeah, PR, earned yeah. placement. So, you know, we're, we're getting the message out to media and influencers, but it doesn't mean that they're going to write about it and they don't have to write about mm-hmm. it. Generally, generally, I think, you know, media don't write bad things about products or brands. They just don't feature them. So if they haven't built a relationship or a connection with a brand, mm. they don't badmouth them. They just don't feature them okay but we can't guarantee the output if you want to guarantee some output you, do, you need to have, pay for yeah, it pay for yeah, it absolutely
0: yeah so earned um what what, what is it called again earned
1: placement. Earned, earned, earned earned placement yeah, is, is what we're trying to drive is, is PR more valuable I yeah, think yeah from a perception yeah. point of view isn't it like if well yeah it Yeah, you know, it generally is three to four times the weight of an advertising spend. Mm. And, you know, when we look to evaluate any press coverage we have, Mm. you would take, you know, your media rack rate, for example. So say if it's $10,000 to advertise in a magazine for a full page ad. Mm. I'm sure any magazines are that cheap anymore (laughs) back in the day. Um, But, you know, if we were to get... A full page article in a magazine yeah. very unlikely unless you literally had an amazing superstar assigned to a brand mm-hmm. but if we offered you know somebody offered the background and you get a full page dedicated to a brand mm. that would be worth three to four times what you would have spent in advertising so for example forty thousand dollars versus ten mm. so it means it's just it's got more it's more credible because it's it's come from a place of not being paid if you know what i mean so we're trying to drive that earned play we're we're earning that because of our relationships and our pitch angles and our approach to media we're trying to persuade them to feature our brands that we work with
0: that's very insightful thank you (laughs) i really like that i i i i would like to like us to talk a little bit about diversity and inclusiveness in like PR marketing brands I mean I know you're not marketing firm no but um, no of course when it comes down to as we said earlier influencer campaigns are quite essential these days how 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 do you go about picking
1: yeah I mean look I think this is something that, you know, consumers really value in this current climate mm. for a brand to be diverse and inclusive. Um, it's just got to be something that brands consider and address from the start of when they're creating a brand, mm. I think. That, you know, if you think about how long it takes to create a brand, I don't own nor do I have ever created a brand. Well, that, you've you know, created know, your own I, brand. Being, oh yeah. I, Well, yes, I've created my own business yeah. brand, but not my own skincare or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would love to. I'm <laughs> sure it's something. You know, no, I haven't. But I'm sure that, you know, two, three, four plus plus years in the mix. I think this is something now that all brands should consider mm. um, from the start. And then with, when they're talking to PR practitioners, marketing specialists, thinking about campaigns that are actively and visibly inclusive, Um, you know brands but but, you know
0: I think sometimes I feel it can come across as being tokenism
1: yes no absolutely you have to be really mindful of that but I guess even if it's just a nod to the fact that the brand just clearly you know demonstrates that they support diversity Mm. and that their audience is made up of many different groups of people Mm. Um, you know everybody buys brands of all ages stages appearance gender etc mm. um y- yes you will probably have a bullseye target audience but by being diverse and inclusive also inclusive also means you can reach that much lar- larger audience i guess you know consumers uh, just yeah they do value that in this current climate and mm-hmm. I, ge- I guess it makes them feel more of an emotional connection to a brand mm-hmm. so they might have a stronger pull to support it and become a loyalist i think yes um I think, you know, what brands need to do now and a lot of the brands that we work with, they let they let their their target audience or their consumers have a voice more. Mm-hmm. So they're always challenging them to give them feedback and, mm. you know, asking them what they think and, and developing. Mm. Um, I'm going to a workshop next week for dermal therapy where we're talking about exactly this because we've had feedback, um, you know, from buyers in various retailers about positioning mm-hmm. um, of the brand. And, you know, so it's something that we, you know, we're just, we're across the board, all brands are just evolving and currently thinking about their messaging and who they're targeting. So, yeah, I think it's just really important.
0: I think I remember I, I went to an event once and um, it was with Alderman where they had the trust barometer. Oh, yeah. And they were saying that um, more people trust big. Brands than they do mm. the government, when it comes to talking <laughs> yeah, about right. social issues. Yeah. Now we've yeah, di- I'd say so. Like with, but <laughs> it, from from your experience with diversity inclusiveness in your campaigns, is it? Sometimes I feel yeah. like it is. It seems to just if you just covered LGBTQ plus sector, you, you, mm. it's like a tick of ticking off my diversity inclusiveness, and not really. Considering, I think in Australia it seems like um, that—that doesn't seem to encompass different races.
1: Yeah, you've got. I mean, this is the thing. It's it it, our brands, and you've got to be mindful of this because consumers are so savvy. We we you know we're not stupid these days. We Mm. we really know our stuff, so we can see through. If brands are just ticking that box, so they do have to be very careful. Um, a lot of brands have been doing this for a long time, and those brands are obviously, you know, in terms of their support and their their loyal their loyal fans and mm. emotional connections, they're getting stronger and stronger because they haven't just ticked that box. Mm you know, they've they've been doing it from the get go. One of our brands, for example, Book to Organics, they've always been diverse and inclusive. It's not new to them. They've been a brand they've a brand that has been around for twenty years. They've always had that positioning. So it's not something that they've just ticked the box. And I think, you know, a lot of consumers can can see through that. So it is tricky, but it is just something that has to be addressed and considered from the start now. That you can't just pigeonhole. Mm. And say this is your brand. This is gonna just this is the niche little target audience that we're gonna go after, and not take into account, you know, gender and ability and um, and appearance, etc. And yeah, and all those diverse and inclusive issues.
0: I feel like I feel like in Australia we're a little bit behind in terms of diversity inclusiveness. I think we're doing a fabulous job Mm. on the LGBTQ. Plus.
1: yeah we are behind of course yeah. we're behind absolutely yeah. it's just sometimes mind-blowing how behind we are mm. it, you know it's some in something when i again when i first came here 20 years ago the industry as in beauty we were all I, you know, I felt like god i was like god it's so slow here we're so last to market mm. like all these products were launching I was like, oh my god we had them 18 months ago in the uk yeah. and we were always considered this after afterthought it was always it, it would always be launch in the okay. us launch in the uk let's see the, what the rest of the world is and australia was just this kind of like afterthought yeah. we're definitely rising up the ranks in the consideration set you know when i talk to brands a bigger global brand, mm-hmm. australia is on the hit list from the get-go oh, cool. so you'll have brands yeah. going i'm going to launch in the us uk australia you know APAC region from the get-go it's like we're gonna be um, just an afterthought but yeah in some issues particularly this Mm. um, we're we're, we're slow we're we're gonna get there but um, we definitely have got some catching up to do
0: do you do you from um, like a personal point of view try to lead some of your prospective clients to think about diversity
1: and inclusiveness yeah we do yeah yeah absolutely what we do what we, we're very lucky actually in the sense that a lot of brands come to us when we when they're in the i guess startup phase yeah. or they're thinking about pr mm. and they get us to kind of <laughs> guide them. their brands apart but what we do is they will send us the style guide actually it was somebody the other day although we were we're doing a partnership with um uh, well-being magazine yeah. and um you know a creative came over and we were saying oh you know I'm, I, I think the other creative works a lot better you know because of this and this and, and that positioning and we do that all the time so we're going back saying I would probably change that key messaging and they come to us and ask for our opinion so we yeah. can definitely and we consider this so we definitely are going back with you know guidelines or things for them to consider going oh I would probably use that person in that campaign um you know, for example, for dermal therapy at the moment, we're doing a big influence marketing campaign, which is very diverse. We're using all ages, stages, and it's definitely a skincare brand for everybody. So we're taking that into consideration and that's always been their positioning. Um, so we're being, you know, we're, we're taking that into consideration in everything that we do.
0: So for, <laughs> for all the brands that you represent, do you mm. try everything first?
1: Yes. <laughs> and I'm still and I'm still such a product. So they're 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 lucky in that sense is that I'm an absolute guinea pig. I still buy loads of stuff from Adore Beauty. Mm-hmm. I try everything that we've got in the office. If there's any <clears throat> you know, when my sister used to be here, she used to be a journalist on Insta magazine and would oh. come home with all these goodies because yeah. she just couldn't physically she has one face, one pair of hands and one body yes. and one head. And so there was only so much shampoo or makeup or you know body products <laughs> what you, you mean use yeah. she used to come over with this bag of good in i used to lose it get so excited so no i i, I definitely have to try them um uh, i you know to, to believe in it and write about it mm. and we're actually again really lucky so before we start working with a brand all the brands send us yeah um usually me and and both of the girls a full range of everything and oh, they want nice. us to go away and try yeah. it yeah yeah that's so which fun which is brilliant but it because you, yeah, you've just so you've got
0: a, a a new client in the books, Milani
1: Cosmetics. Yes, we're
0: looking after Milani yes, Cosmetics. Yeah, yeah, which is that's yeah, very again, exciting. It took so long to come to Australia. I yes. used to have to like buy online from overseas, but I'm very excited that you guys have this brand.
1: Yeah, it's very. I mean, we we've just launched their anti gravity mascara at a big Priceline um event. Yes. we saw you there. Yeah. Um and it's going gangbusters actually it's yeah. a very very good mascara yeah. and i think we've just started working with them so we, we've we've kicked off with that campaign mm-hmm. but their foundation just the quality of product is amazing and it's so good that it's in price line mm-hmm. they are going out rolling out into the majority of their doors um, over the course of the year their store, their presence in store is going to be bigger uh, which means they're going to be able to showcase more products but Everybody that we saw at the Priceline event sang, said, oh, my God, thank God, Milani's here because yeah. <laughs> I haven't been able to get it anywhere. So they're all very excited.
0: Yeah, no, it's a super exciting brand to have. So, Lucy, we can find you online on Instagram at Little Bird PR, right? Yes. And yeah, that's
1: right. And, and website uh, tick, as well. tick- yeah, website littlebirdpr dot com dot yes. and uh, now I need to go and sort my TikTok out, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, I you might guess so. you might not find me on TikTok, but you'll find my girls Lily and Renee on there. Yeah. They're way cooler and younger than than I am, so <laughs> they can go on there. But so, uh, yeah. So do you
0: guys go. actually like create content as well?
1: Uh, yes we do a little bit but not we 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 won't say that we're the jack of all trades mm, because we're I not, do see but some firms
0: taking that approach now where they are trying to create their own content.
1: Oh yeah and look and and that's that will be because they've got their own in house content creator um, p- potentially in the future but we partner with an agency called Create Create Creme. We're actually we're in the sh- we're in an office space together it's oh, kind of like good. we're an extension yeah. of each other's business yeah we've actually just moved offices we are taking up um our own first space together a big open space um, mm-hmm. for the six of us in, in in balgala on the northern beaches so we were in brookvale and um, we're just moving so create crema a content agency they work with some amazing brands such as set mm-hmm. um they've got some great stuff um great content that they've put out there and we partner with them. So, so you're what we moving do is to the re- Northern beaches? Well, we're on the Northern beaches anyway. So Are we're you? in Brookvale. I live on the Northern beaches in Colorado Plateau um, and All our right. office has been in Brookvale for two or three years, but we're now moving just a bit closer to the city or to the yeah. spit bridge even um yeah. in in, a, in another space in, in balgala um but yeah we partner with create creme and they shoot we have a big space that they do everything in-house so yes we absolutely can create content that's part of our offering now but we don't yeah it's under the create creme umbrella
0: okay wow that's wonderful it's very useful to know well thank you so much thank you very for, much for coming no on no problem and sharing with us all of your uh, insightful knowledge
1: but what no PR problem at all always always a pleasure to talk to you you've you've always been a big fan of ours and, and very loyal and supportive so we really appreciate that mm. thank you so much no worries thanks tashi we'll stay warm yes you too
0: <laughs> thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode feel free to dms on instagram at the beauty business podcast if you have any further questions Yes, do DM us too if you would like us to cover any particular issues. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to having you on our next episode. Have a great great week week week, all.